What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Adventures in DevOps. Joining me in the studio today, live from... Where are you at, Jillian? I am in Doha, Qatar now, where the World Cup is currently being hosted. But in like another week or two, that won't be true anymore. So I don't I don't really know if you want to be saying my location. Like, just flip a coin. Flip a coin. I'll be somewhere. All right, cool. For some reason, I was going to say Dubai, but I knew that wasn't right. But it did start with a D, so I was close. There you go. Same region. Same geographic region, too. Yeah, close, close. And we also have Jonathan Hall. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, hey. Live from Amsterdam, or close. Yes, I am. And, um, yeah, I'm Will Button. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood. I've been talking to a whole bunch of people that want to update their resume and find a better job. And I figure, well, why not just share my resume? So you, if you go to topendevs.com slash resume, enter your name and email address, then you'll get a copy of the resume that I use, that I've used through freelancing, through m- most of my career, as I've kind of refined it and tweaked it to get me the jobs that I want. Uh, like I said, topendevs.com slash resume will get you that. And uh, you can just kind of use the formatting. It comes in Word and Pages formats, and you can just fill it in from there. So today we are going to talk about, it was a, it's a topic that was triggered by a video I recently released on hashtag shameless self-promotion, the DevOps for Developers YouTube channel. And the title of the video was Don't Do DevOps. And what I talked about in that video is not really pinning yourself or your professional identity to a specific technology like becoming known as the Kubernetes expert or the Jenkins expert or the Docker guru. And there are a couple of thoughts behind that. One being that, you know, these technologies we use today, even though they're super cool and popular, they're not always going to be that way. And so by tying your professional identity to something like Kubernetes, eventually we'll reach a point where people aren't using Kubernetes anymore but you could pin your reputation as being like the Kubernetes expert. And so as that transition starts to happen, you're going to start to see less and less opportunities coming your way because people identify you as the Kubernetes expert and say, oh, well, we can't use that person for whatever the new technology of the week is. They're the Kubernetes guru. And then the other side of that equation is a lot of employers and clients that you work with may not know that they have a Kubernetes problem or a Jenkins problem or an AWS problem. So by pinning your professional reputation on a specific technology, you automatically filter out people who may be good employers or clients for you that simply don't know that you have the skills that they need. So my recommendation in the video was to focus on solving business problems rather than technology expertise. So that's the topic for today. Cool. Well, I think that's, yeah, that was a really good summary. And I think one of the reasons why that struck me as sort of an interesting conversation, because I think the three of us included and everybody else that I've met who does DevOps, it's kind of something we all fell into, I think, or at least that's true for me and for a lot of the people that I know. And we all have some sort of adjacent skill set, right? So like I do data science, Jonathan, I think you do like a lot of agile and will you do like at least like some node and go and if, if I'm getting this wrong, you know, just interrupt and say, but we all have like something else that we do. And then we apply DevOps to solve problems in that space, right? So I mean, I think like yes and no, that's good advice. I'm not really that sure what the alternative is, because 
usually like, so for example, if you're submitting a resume someplace, they're always looking for some kind of buzzwords, right? And they're usually looking for a specific stack of technology. And if you don't have that listed someplace and you're too general, I'm not sure that you're even going to get your foot in the door. But then at the same time, I do see that where it's like, well, you don't want to be locked into a specific technology stack either. So how do you think you should balance those two? For me, I think it's kind of like a it's it's almost a game you have to play. You know, when you're doing the resume thing, you certainly want the technology skills listed on your resume. And the way that I do it is there's just a a section on my resume that just says technology skills and it lists all the buzzwords. But it's a pretty small part of my resume. Most of my resume is focused on problems that I've solved and the benefits of solving those problems. But you do have to have, you're right, you do have to have a certain number of buzzwords on your resume if that's the route you're going just to make it through the hiring manager or the screeners or if they use an automated system, you know, the keyword matcher. I think more generally, though, I think this applies in non-resume type environments where you're like talking on Twitter or with your friends or, you know, at at meetups or whatever, focusing there on like the things you actually do, not the tools that you actually use. Like if you're talking to a car mechanic, they're probably going to tell you about the, the things that they do to cars rather than saying, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a nine sixteenths impact wrench guy. Love that thing. That reference was right over my head, but I'm I'm going to assume that it follows. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't have a car, you guys. I get I get ripped off at the whenever I have to go get it fixed. Yeah, I think like if you're if you're submitting resumes, I can see that because that's not a good way to be getting a job, right? Like if you're stuck in submit uh, submitting the resume game, you know you have to submit like hundreds of you know pro- possibly even thousands or post it to like Indeed or something like that. So I think that's all that's all good things. So I have maybe a slightly view on this. Um, I'm going to play the devil's advocate for a moment, if that's all right. Um, Oh, absolutely. I I actually more or less agree with you, but I do think that there's room for someone to, if they choose, and they do this, do so with open eyes to to become an expert in some specific field. I shouldn't say field, but a specific technology. If you want to be the Kubernetes guy, for example, or pick your poison, Terraform or, or React or whatever, right? That can be very lucrative. And it can, it's, a, it's one way to get to the top of your game quickly, potentially, especially if you get in on the ground level of a new technology. It's a little bit late for Kubernetes in that field right now, but, um, you know, may, maybe, it, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, the, new, the new big thing is. But if you can be an early adopter and get in on the ground floor, you can have some great success, uh, especially if your goal is publicity. If you want to write a book or become a speaker or get hired as a consultant who really knows that area, you can have a lot of success in that for a time. <laughs> and this goes right. back into your point. I mean, I mean, look at the early adopters. I'll, I'll use Go as an example. Uh, look at the early adopters of Go. Let's use Dave Cheney as an example. He, he's a fairly well-known Go developer. And he made a lot of money. I, I assume, I don't know how much money he made. We never talked about it. But, you know, he, he did courses and conference speaking and, and workshops and blog a lot. And I, I assume that he made a reasonable amount of money doing that. That market's kind of flooded now. There's a lot of people doing Go stuff. And it's going to continue to get more flooded. And I, I don't think he's doing that uh, level of work anymore. I don't know the reasons. Um, I don't know that it's because he, he didn't like competition. I don't think that's the reason. I just think he's moved on. But if you can get in on the ground floor of a new technology and be sort of an early mover, you definitely have room to be very lucrative, to have a lucrative career in that area. 
But like I said, your eyes need to be open. And this goes into what you were saying. It's not a forever sort of thing. <laughs> in most cases, you know, if, if you're lucky and, and the thing you choose is, say, JavaScript, that's still being used, what, 25 years later? <laughs> and if you're a JavaScript expert, maybe maybe you could do that. Although there's there's thousands of JavaScript experts now. So, Perl you know, devs are all like crying now. Harder. They're just crying into the podcast. Yeah, and Perl devs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pay somebody <laughs> to admit that they uh, even know Perl anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, if that's the route you want to go, I think it's fine. But you need to go into it with your with your eyes wide open, understand that it's probably a temporary thing. And then when that when you've when you're done riding that wave, you either need to pick something new, a new technology or change your approach entirely. I would say that's true of, you know, kind of like any career in tech, whether you're doing like DevOps or software engineering or or what have you. You always need to be keeping up on like what's the current new hotness is this programming language like oh pearl like listen pearl i love you but um you know i don't i don't use pearl anymore it's not something that i typically list on my resume i suppose you could google me and find like some pearl modules and things that i've written but it's you know i don't i don't exactly advertise it anymore and i stopped doing that because you know every few months i'll go look at job postings and things like that in my field and i i was like well what are they looking for and they started to look for just basically python and python started to kind of take the place you know that pearl had 15, 20 years ago when we were sequencing the Human Genome Project and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, I mean, I would say that's true of like any kind of career in tech. You need to you need to be aware of what's happening around you. You need to know like, okay, what's the current hotness? And sometimes, sometimes you might pick something that's really long lasting. So for example, I picked HPC, high performance computing is kind of my wheelhouse and that's been around for quite a while. And I think we'll continue to be around for quite a while. But there are other sort of tech stacks, you know, and programming languages or frameworks or things that I've chosen that have not been anywhere near as long lived as that. So, you know, you got to you got to pick and choose and stay aware. Yeah, I think to build on that, one of the things I'm realizing is my I've quite possibly had an unintended or unspecified audience when I created that video of people who are just getting started into tech, you know, because like, Mm -hmm. for each of us, we have things that we're stronger in than other things. But I think I think we've developed that expertise in certain areas based on the broad foundational skills that we had. And then we just worked our way through our career and saw a need and gravitated toward that. But if you're just getting started in tech, you probably don't have the experience or the foundational skills to understand what the whether a new tech is is worth grabbing onto and trying to become the expert in it or not. You know, like if you think back, like the people who invented Kubernetes, they weren't Kubernetes experts and then invented Kubernetes. They had other areas in in life, you know, they had other things that they were doing and they identified this problem and created Kubernetes to solve that problem. So it's like they gravitated to an area of expertise from a more broader discipline. Exactly. I think that's kind of the story of any tech career, right? How long do any of these things really last? Kubernetes has lasted for quite a while. It's kind of like being a a hair metal rock star in the 80s. Thought it was going to go forever. And then Nirvana drops one damn song. And you're like, dang, that was my whole career gone. (laughs) (laughs) Time to jump ship then. Right. But you have to be old enough to understand hair metal and Nirvana to find that joke funny. So I probably just alienated like half of our listeners. (laughs) Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood. I'm excited because I wanted to let you know about this thing that I pulled together that I had just, I've been dying to have this for years and I never felt like I could. 
And then I just realized that there's no reason why I can't. So um, I'm putting together a book club and we're going to read development focused books, career books, you know, uh, technical books, whatever. The first book that we're going to do is going to be Clean Architecture by Uncle Bob Martin. If you're not familiar with Clean Code or some of the other stuff that Bob has done, check that out. I've also talked to him on the Clean Coders podcast, which is on Top End Devs. But uh, yeah, we're going to get on. He's going to show up to some of our meetings. And what I'm thinking is we'll probably have like five or six people uh, part of the conversation along with Bob and I at the same time. And we'll just, uh, so somebody can come on, they can ask their question, and then we'll just rotate people through. So we'll we'll mute one person, unmute another person when it's their turn to come on and, and be part of the discussion. So we'll do that for like an hour, hour and a half. And then the other part of it that I'm putting together is just kind of a meet and greet gather area on Gather Town. And so after the the meetup and the call, what we'll do is we'll all go over to Gather Town and you can just log in, walk up to a group and have a conversation. And that way we can all kind of get to know each other and and make friends and, and get to know people across the world. Uh, one thing that I'm finding is that, yeah, the meetups are starting to come back, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to a meetup. And I really want to meet you guys and talk to you. So we're going to put all that together. It'll all be part of that book club. You can go to topendevs.com slash book club to be part of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there. The first book club meeting will be in December, the beginning of December. We're starting the first week of December. And um, you'll also be part of the conversation about which book we do next. I have one in mind, but I want to see where everybody's at. So there you go. I think it could be useful to talk about what Jonathan Stark calls, I think, two dimensions of sort of specialization. Because I think you touched on the topic in your in your sort of intro there, Will. And, and so we've been talking about like tactical specialization, you know, specializing on a particular technology. And I think your broader point is that that's kind of a dangerous route to go, especially if you're early in your career. And I agree with that. But there are other ways you can specialize. And, and, and you kind of alluded to this, that you could specialize in a, a sort of a problem domain or a business area. Uh, and I think that's something that's that's useful. Although if you're early in your career, it's probably pre- premature to do that. But you can certainly be thinking about it, uh, about your career with this in mind. At a really high level, one way to think about this is like, I specialize in fintech, or I specialize in blockchain, or I specialize in medtech, or I specialize in e-commerce, you know, th- th- these sorts of industries. And, you know, and you know, when you're early on, that's probably fine. Probably you you just find a job and it happens to be in w- one of those random fields, and that's fine. If you enjoy that field, though, then when you're ready for an, your next career move, you can obviously look for other roles in the same field. If you don't like it, you can look for roles in another field. But where this might potentially lead is that you become a guy with fintech expertise or medtech expertise or data science expertise or whatever. And then and then you can start to niche down is what Jonathan Stark calls it. So rather than being the Ruby guy, you could be the the guy who helps e-commerce platforms increase their conversions from the checkout page or, you know, something, a very specific type of, of business related problem. So that's, that's another area you can go. And that's usually easier to market if, if especially if you want to ever become like a freelance or consultant type uh, person, most companies aren't looking for a Ruby expert, <laughs> but they will know if they need to solve a problem with their landing uh, or th- their their checkout page conversion problem or or whatever, right? So if you have a specific business problem in mind, it's often easier to market that. And you'll you'll see that on CVs or on job descriptions as well. You know, we're looking for somebody with at least X number of years experience in the fintech industry. Or you'll see that more often when you're looking when they're looking for team leads or or engineering managers. But that's something to keep in mind too. You can specialize in in your sort of business or problem domain rather than on 
the technology stack you're using. Yeah, but when you're talking about having a business problem that you focus on, I think that's really important because I know that was a conundrum for me, especially a few years ago before the term DevOps was like as widely known. For the most part, you know, I work with scientists. They didn't know the term DevOps. They didn't know it was a thing. I would say now most of them know, like I could say, oh, I do DevOps. And they're like, oh, yeah, OK, like we, we have a general idea of what you do. You bang around on the AWS console. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's it. So that's so over time, I think new terms kind of get put out into the, I don't know, common tongue, the vernacular, that kind of thing. So you can consider that to happen. But initially, especially if you are on a really new technology stack or set, probably the people who are interested in hiring you for that have a problem they need solved and don't necessarily care about the technology itself. Like unless you're specifically working to develop that technology, it's very likely you're going to have to kind of pivot what you do to address the needs of the people who want to hire you. Hey, Will. Yes. And Will's back. I'm back. I am. I um, I was doing a recording, so I actually have no idea what's going to happen to our <laughs> Well. Do you still see the record button? It says recording on mine. Yeah, yeah mine too. I do. I left the other cab open. I just left the call and I see the audio files over there. So I think we've got everything. Let's hope so. Well, yeah, that's good. So on that note, I will not be pinning my professional career on the Riverside podcast host expert. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be like, we hope this guy doesn't listen to the show and is like, well, (laughs) (laughs) let me insert some chaos monkeys in there. Yeah. Gosh, I hope your trash talking doesn't affect your future recordings. Oh, no. (laughs) That would be so tragic set up like one of those like birds that like just presses a button. Anyway, so I wanted to play devil's advocate for a minute where over time I've kind of specialized more and more and more. And that's because, you know, like I'm older and I'm more tired and I'm not like 25 and willing to work 50 hours, you know, a week to be learning like whatever new tech stack, um, whatever the new current hotness is that I might have been a lot more willing to do, you know, like earlier in my career when I was younger and more energetic and all that kind of thing. So over time, I've kind of specialized more and more and more. And I see like that's kind of a blessing and a curse because I know. So for example, I was on one project where we had to kind of, uh, it was a last minute decision to spin up a Kubernetes cluster. And I was able to like figure it out very quickly because I've been doing HPC for so many years. And like a cluster is a cluster, you guys. Okay, like they're not it's not that deep. They're not that different. All right, you got your nodes, you have them in a network setting and you have some shared storage or whatever. And that was that. But I remember like one of the people on the project saying, oh, I was really worried about this because we didn't think that you knew Kubernetes. And I was just, you know, and then I told them, I gave them my cluster as a cluster spiel. And apparently that was all fine. But I also think it made them have a little bit more like faith in my adaptability too, that they were like, oh, this person really knows the fundamentals very well and can, you know, and can switch technology stacks as needed. So what do you guys think about that? Because you can't you can't keep up with everything. There's too many things like even like even within DevOps. Right. I don't know everything within DevOps. There are just way too what? many things. I don't even know the different. How, how did you get on the show if you don't know everything about DevOps? I know. That's, that that's it. You guys are just going to have to kick me off now. I know I've outed myself. <laughs> Was I supposed to be making that claim? No, I, I actually agree with you. No, I I agree with you from the perspective of like, so as you got more mature in your career, you had your own network, you had a foundation of people that would work with you. And so I think the specialization, your your network of your, your, your funnel of money that funds your career guided you to specialization versus you saying, I'm going to specialize in this. So you were reacting to 
the environment rather than putting the environment up and saying, this is what I will react to. And um, But at the same time, you started with that broad foundation of skills. So when something new came up, you're like, oh, yeah, this is just like the other thing. And I think that's one of the reasons why I made that video is because I was targeting a lot of people who are just getting started in their careers and trying to encourage them to just focus on a broad range of fundamental skills rather than diving in deep on a specific technology because that whatever tool or whatever technology you're focusing on is built on top of the broad fundamental skills that if you don't have those, you're not going to be able to transition quickly. So that's the advice, you guys. I follow the money. Like, that's it. I follow the money. And that's my career (laughs) advice for all of you. Although maybe not. Okay, fine. I, you know, I, I say that and I laugh, but it's, it's first of all, it's very, very true. But I do think if you're earlier in your career, you know, like Will is saying here, get a broad array so that you can get the fundamentals yeah. and also so that you can even know what's out there, because like it's one of these you don't know what you don't know kind of scenarios where you're not even going to know all the different tool chains and, you know, things that are out there. Like my, you know, my master's degree is basically in data analytics. It's not in DevOps, right? But over time, I became more and more interested. I like to think of it as I went like more and more meta over time. You know, first I was doing the data analysis, and then I wanted to deal with the tools that did the data analysis. And then I wanted the infrastructure that dealt with the tools that, you know, and just like over time kind of kept going in that direction. So I do think if you're earlier in your career, go for that. No, no, no. We got to rewind. First, you say that you don't know everything in DevOps. And now you're telling us your master's degree is not in DevOps either. No, no, it's not. Are there mass? Are there degrees in DevOps? Is that like a thing? I'm sure somebody will sell you one. (laughs) (laughs) If there's not, maybe that's our new money making opportunity, you guys. DevOps (laughs) University right here. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So... I think I think on the topic of you know, sort of broadening your horizons, especially early in your career, I, th- I think that's great advice. I would I would say that there's one skill in particular that is the killer skill, and that is the ability to learn new things. When you yeah. think about the industry as a whole, the entire industry of software development and IT operations, the entire concept of this is building new things. New things means they've never been done before. Now, this is different than than like manufacturing where you build a thousand automobiles that all look exactly the same. They have the exact same features and characteristics, everything. Uh, so, you know, there it's about, you know, getting good at building the same thing. In in IT, if we want the same thing, we run the copy command, right? So then, then we're done. That's it. Poof. That's not what we're doing. We are doing new things. Literally, everything you do every day is is new things. Sometimes it's similar to something you've done before, but if it was exactly the same, you would just write, you just run the copy command. So the fact that we are literally doing new things all the time, inventing new things, inventing new technologies, putting two new things, two, two old things together in new ways means that the you know when you think about it in that in that sense, everything we're doing is learning something new. That's that's we're paid to learn stuff in a very literal sense. So if you can learn to lo- to learn things effectively, you will uh, go far in your career. Uh, no matter what happens to the technology, if if Kubernetes goes defunct tomorrow, and that's the only thing you know, but you know how to learn the new hotness, whatever that is, you'll be fine because you can just go, you know, read the docs and hack it out and figure out what that new hotness, how it works and under the hood and how it ticks. And, and then you can go sell it to the, your next employer in just a couple months. So if, if anything else, <laughs> if nothing else, learn how to learn. And I know that's easier said than done. It, it, you know, if, if you haven't, if you haven't learned how to learn and you're already in the job market, I, I don't really know exactly what to do except or what to tell you what to, to try. Cause you know, it's kind of an aptitude that I think you're, you learn at a young age, but find ways to 
to learn new things on your own, if possible. I mean, that's not, not to shame you for asking people for help, but the more you know how to solve a problem on your own, the more equipped you'll be for the for the job market. Yeah, I agree 100%. And learning how to learn. I've heard some people say, because I'm, I'm a big advocate of that, of like learn the fundamentals and, and just understand the fundamentals so that you have something to build on. And I've, I've heard from other people like, oh, you're just gatekeeping, trying to keep, keep people out of it by setting the bar too high. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really not. Like, I understand how high the bar is. I understand it's a lot to take on. And all I can tell you is just chip away at it a little bit at a time. But you're, you know, if you're looking for a shortcut in, it's only going to come back to haunt you later when you, when you have to transition and, and that transition requires you to rely on fundamental skills that you never learned. Yeah. And on that note, for kind of some hope, if people are feeling dejected, you can get a job and start solving valuable problems before, you know, you've learned all the fundamentals or you're perfect at absolutely everything. It's kind of a constant evolving process. Like I do, well, I consider myself to be a STEM professional, but like I am always learning new things. And even if I don't go like deep into new technology stacks, I at least have like quite a few blogs and like release notes and things like that that I read so that I'm at least staying somewhat current. And, you know, just remember a lot of my career started off just writing Excel macros to automate things that the labs were doing. And that was solving a valuable problem. So, you know, you don't you don't need to know everything or be perfect at everything to get your foot in the door and to just get started. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's probably that's probably something that's commonly misunderstood is thinking that you have to learn all of DevOps before you can get a DevOps job or even for other technical related. (laughs) I don't know all of DevOps now, you guys. (laughs) I know. Right. And and I'll say I, I don't either. And probably never will. And it's it's just not a requirement. But I think it's often perceived as a requirement. So it's probably worth elaborating and, and highlighting the fact that you don't have to know it all. You just have to look at a problem and say, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to figure it out. Or get a really good network of people. Like, I am involved in a lot of open source projects, partially because, you know, ethically, I think open source software is very important, but also because if I contribute to a project and then I have a question on that project and I'm an active contributor or I do, I don't know, like anything, something, right? And I go and I ask a question or I ask for advice or anything like that, they are much more likely to answer me. So I have a lot of sort of adjacent tool sets and frameworks and things like that that I use on, I mean, basically a daily basis. I'm not the expert in them. And even sometimes, you know, like my clients and things will ask me about something and I'll be like, you know, that's not a me problem. That's a this person problem. But I know who to go ask because I know the maintainer of this project. And I found people actually like that. Like I was kind of nervous to say things like that at first. Like, oh no, I don't know, maybe some kind of vague imposter syndrome or something like that. What what will they think if I don't know all of their answers? But they seem to be kind of reassured by the fact that like it's they're not just relying on me, right? There's this whole like community of open source contributors and projects and I'm not reinventing the wheel for everything. And you know, like at the end, like when I do a project, I write down like, okay, these are all the libraries that we use. These are all the frameworks. Here's people that you can contact about these things. Here are the licenses that are involved, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you don't need to know everything. You can also just be annoying and bug people until they give you answers, which is what I do. It is effective. It is. <laughs> I suppose this is a good time to plug our uh, episode from a few weeks ago where we talked about how to learn things, right? That's true. We did talk about all the ways that we learn things and keep current and all that kind of good stuff. I think it was episode 137. If uh, you missed it, go check it out. Did you look up the episode number? Did you remember that? I remembered it. I remember all 137 episodes. Quiz me. 
<laughs> That's actually really impressive. I had no idea. I, I only knew that we were past episode 100 because I remember we were going to try to do something special for episode 100. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if we actually did or not. We did a sort of gear and review episode. Yeah. yeah. I remember that one too. I told you I remember them all. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and evidently you weren't lying. <laughs> I got lucky. You picked the one I actually remember. <laughs> <laughs> the, the reason I remember 137 is because I had just blogged about it. And I had to tell our uh, Michaela, our, our VA, that it was broken on the website. So that's the only reason I remember that one. It's because I've been right. actually talking about it recently. It's not broken anymore, though. So you can actually go listen to it now. Which is helpful because we just plugged it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so unless it breaks again between the time of this recording and this episode going live, you can definitely go listen to episode 137. Once again, that's episode 137. <laughs> cool. Did we exhaust this topic? There's one more to we may have. I think so, yeah. I'm good. Like I, don't, we did. I don't have anything else. Right on. Well, let's move on to picks then. Have you ever wished that you had a group of people that were just as passionate about writing code as you are? I know I did. I did that for most of my career. I'd go to the meetups. I'd try and create other opportunities. And it was just really hard, right? The meetups, I got some of that, but they were only like once or twice a month. And it was just really hard to find that group of people that I connected with and, and really wanted to, you know, talk about code a lot, right? I mean, I love writing code. I think it's the best. And so I've decided to create this community and create it a worldwide community that we can all jump in and do it. So we're going to have two workshops every week. One of those or two of those every month are going to be Q&A calls, right, where you can get on, you can ask me or me and another expert questions. Uh, the rest of them are going to be focused on different aspects of career or programming or things like that, right? So it'll go anywhere from like deployments and containers all the way up to managing your 401k and negotiating your benefits package. Well, we'll cover all of it, okay? And then we're also going to have meetups every month for your particular technology area. So we have shows about JavaScript, React, Angular, Vue, and so on. We're going to have meetups for all of those things. I'm going to revive the freelancer show. We'll have one about that, right? So you can get started freelancing or continue freelancing if that's where you're at. And I'm working on finding authors who can actually do weekly video tutorials on something for 10 minutes that's related, to, again, to those technology areas so that you can stay current and keep growing. So if you're interested, go to topendevs.com slash sign up and you can get in right now for $39. When we're done, that price is going to go up to $75. And the $39 price gets you access to two calls per week. The, the full price at $150, which is going to be $75 over the next few weeks, that price is going to get you access to all of the calls and all of the tutorials and everything else that we put out from Top End Devs along with member pricing for our remote conferences that are coming up next year. So go check it out, topendevs.com slash sign up. I can go first. Good, because the awkward silence was getting a little weird. Yeah. I wonder I if those that. get edited out. So I'll, just, I'll just jump in there and they say do. something. They do. Okay, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm, I'm going to pick a book that isn't really on topic, but it, it could be interesting for some people. Uh, and it's gotten me thinking about something. Anyway, I'll explain that in a second. So the book is called Fix This Next. And it's really designed for business owners, uh, could, could be a solo consultant or something. But it's kind of a framework for how to identify what part of your business you should focus on next. It's really valuable if you're in um, management in a larger company, if you're the CEO or, or something like that. And, you know, it's a fairly simple framework to you know identify, yeah, 
do you need to work on increasing sales or is that in the bag and you need to work on increasing customer satisfaction or is that working well? You need to work, you know, and it goes all the way up to like everything is running perfectly smoothly. And now you need to focus on giving back to the community through donations to charity or or community sponsorships or whatever, right? So it's kind of a holistic view of, of how to decide what to work on next in your business. And I, I thought I would, I think it'd be great to have a framework like this for technology too. So this is one of my sort of uh, brainworms right now is what would a fix this next framework look like for your technology organization? And I imagine this at the bottom layer, he has a pyramid is how he he defines it. So the bottom layer is your your foundational things like sales and and making money. And then, you know, as you go up to the top, the tippy top is, is things like donating millions of dollars to save the whales or whatever. So in a technology organization, I'm imagining things like CI and CD and writing unit tests and stuff like that are sort of the bottom layer. And maybe customer feedback, making sure you're actually building things customers want to be in the bottom layer. And somewhere up the chain, you have things like observability and making sure that you're, uh, you have proper alerting set up. And as you get to the top, it's going to be things like A-B testing and fine-tuning your technology stuff. So that's kind of one of the things I'm thinking about over the, over the last week or so as I, after I finish this book. What would a fix this next framework look like for technology? And I think this would be a great topic to talk about on our new Reddit. So if you have ideas... Yeah. Hop on over to Reddit slash, what is it, r slash adventures and DevOps, and let's talk about this. Yep, absolutely. That was an excellent segue. I have an opinion real quick. I think it looks like open source software. That's what I think giving Uh, back looks like. Oh, that's a great great point. Yeah, yeah. We should have that as a show topic sometime. That's a good idea. Yeah. My second pick is going to be me. My contract recently ended, so I'm available for work. So if you are looking for some help, hit me up, especially looking for like leadership help. I think I'm going to try this uh, fractional CTO, fractional engineering manager type thing for a while. So if you're looking for some help, you can't afford full-time CTO or full-time engineering manager, head on over to jhall.io and send me an email. I'd love to talk to you. That sounds neat. Shameless self-plug. As you should. So those are my two picks. Jillian, you got some picks? I do. Uh, I've been watching The Dragon Prince with my kids. It's an animated show on Netflix. And recently, it has been really difficult to find things that both my kids will watch. They are 8 and 11. So they're kind of, I don't know, at ages where they're like very opinionated about things. And they, you know, when one likes something, the other one doesn't like it just out of the sheer principle of the thing. So anyways, it's been really difficult to find things that we can all watch together as a family. This one really kind of hit the bucket. Even my husband would watch it for a little bit. And usually he's like, why does everything you watch have dragons or elves or like girls with glowy hands in it? And I'm like, well, I don't want too much reality in my entertainment. Like, let's not be ridiculous here. So anyways, I really like that show. It's on like its fourth season now. It also has a very pretty art style if you're interested in that kind of thing, especially in the fourth season. They do this like really cool hybrid 2D, 3D thing with cell shading. And it's it's very, it's very nicely rendered. But we've been enjoying that. I think we're about halfway through the fourth season now. And it's, it's looking to be pretty good. Uh, so if you're looking for something kind of family friendly to watch that's that's been my pick lately right on cool i was going to do two but yours reminded me of one so i'm going to add a third pick there because by the time this episode releases we will be into officially the holiday season so it's a great time for everyone to watch the best holiday christmas movie ever die hard so Make sure you get that on your list to watch. No, no listen, I'm going to fight that. with you about this. The best Christmas movie is The Muppets Christmas Carol. And like, that's it. Oh, game on. <laughs> right. Muppets is good. 
but I'm still going to go with Die Hard's a good Christmas movie. I'll rank it above the Muppets. And then there was one I watched where it's got William Shatner in it, where he fights, where Santa Claus fights Krampus. Is that right? It's like a Christmas horror movie. And that one's just spectacular. I'll be back next week with that one for my pick because I got to look up the name of it. But that's the all-time best Christmas movie. But on to my other picks. Um, I picked this a couple weeks ago, picking it again because I'm still reading it and it just gets better and better. Leadership Strategy and Tactics by Jocko Willink. And I think it's great for whether you have leadership aspirations or not. It's a really good read because it just breaks down like what it takes to be on a team and be a contributing functional member. So that's been a great read. And the other one that I'm part of the way through, which is sort of related to this episode, Matthew Ball, The Metaverse. Realize that not everyone listening to our podcast is like into blockchain and cryptocurrencies and stuff like I am. So, but the metaverse book goes beyond that. And the cool part about that is it talks about what we were talking about in this episode of how you take all of these other technologies that we use and use them to build something else. And so they talk about how the origins of the internet was the foundation for multi massively multiplayer online role playing games and how that led to current things like Fortnite. And so it, it does a really cool job of showing how technology transitions over time, which is kind of what we were talking about in this episode. So those are my three picks for this week. Already. Very cool. Cool. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks, everyone. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Hasta luego. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.